Thank you, Susanna and Alison. I'd like to invite um, Philippa up, who's going to bring us the word. Thank you, Philippa. Let us pray quickly, short, a, sh- a short prayer. Loving Lord, I pray you will guide all of our thoughts as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, you may have seen adverts for holidays in Turkey on the telly or on social media. The adverts look very inviting. Clear blue sea, perfect beaches, sandy coves, comfortable hotels, plenty of sunshine and snow-capped mountains. The passage kindly read for us today by Susanna is part of a letter sent to a group of congregations scattered round what is now known as Northern and Central Turkey. It seems that some of the people in these congregations were Christians from a Jewish background, while others had no knowledge of the Lord as they were growing up. Today's passage speaks of them as having been called out of darkness, and other parts of 1 Peter speak of their pagan background and previous empty way of life. It seems that Peter had long-standing links with Christians from the area we now know as Turkey. In Acts chapter 2, where the events on the day of Pentecost are described, it is stated that Jewish pilgrims from northern and central Turkey were present. They heard the commotion when the Holy Spirit descended, They heard and understood the disciples declaring the wonders of God in the languages of northern and central Turkey. They heard Peter's sermon after which 3,000 people were baptised. It seems that some of the pilgrims from Turkey who had placed their faith in Christ and been baptised on that day returned home and founded churches there. In the letter... Peter reminds the believers that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent on a mission by Jesus. Part of that mission was the care for the believers in Turkey. In his letter, Peter explains that he wants to encourage the Turkish Christians to confirm to them the truth of the grace and mercy of God. He says to them, stand fast in it. But why does Peter think the Christians in the region of Turkey need to be encouraged? Near the beginning of his letter, Peter refers to the Christians as suffering grief in all kinds of trials. He refers to the non-believers as heaping abuse on the Christians and accusing them of doing wrong. The Christians suffer painful even satanic trials. They feel fear as if a man-eating lion is stalking them. Part of Peter's encouragement to the stressed Christian believers was to describe them as a chosen people, a holy nation. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter borrowed these concepts from the Old Testament book of Exodus, where the Lord God speaks about the Israelites as his treasured possession and a holy nation. 
The Christian fellowships in Turkey were scattered across a wide area. In the past, they had been like sheep going astray, or we might say, like people getting lost in a strange city. The individual fellowships consisted of first-generation believers, likely even more diverse than us here or other local church groups around Spark Hill. They were both men and women of varied ages. Some were slaves, some not. Some of Jewish background, others from a variety of Christian backgrounds. Yet Peter described them in terms of unity, one people, one nation. How could this be? Each of the many nations of this world share common features, such as one ultimate ruler, common descent, a language that unites and binds them together, a national dress or common style of clothing, customary ways of behaving and a shared history. The people that Peter wrote to shared these features and so he could accurately describe them as a people, a nation. They were bound together under the rule and loving care of one true holy God. They had common spiritual descent. So sorry, <laughs> so referred to and viewed each other as brothers and sisters. They had a language of love that united and bound them together. They had a special national dress, which I will explain in a minute. They had customary social behaviours which they aspired to under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They had a shared history in Christ who was chosen for his role even before the creation of the material world. Plus, uniquely, unlike political nation-states, they shared a sure and certain future hope. Firstly, and most importantly, is that the Christians Peter wrote to, like us, were bound together under the rule and loving care of the one true Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God who is three in one and one in three, which we are celebrating today on Trinity Sunday. Throughout his letter, Peter repeatedly points his audience back to the Lord, the one who is mighty, who rules and reigns with infinite power, who has great mercy, power over life and death, and has conquered death, who in Christ bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds you have been healed. Christ, who is loving, the shepherd and overseer of your souls, the Holy Lord, God, who is completely pure, loving and separate from evil. The God who had called Peter's audience, as he calls us, to be holy, set apart for God and his service in all we do and say because he is holy. Originally, these scattered and straying people were not the people of God. They had been involved in all sorts of unjust, unkind and evil activities, some of which are mentioned in this letter. Their hearts had been like a dark, dingy, 
very untidy, very dirty room. By faith, they had accepted God's mercy, cleansing and forgiveness. As Tom spoke about in the first sermon of this series, they had been born again. In Peter's words, they had experienced new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. They were now of common descent. They were heirs together in it. The citizens of each nation on earth have their own national dress and customs. So it is for the people who have joined God's holy nation. Peter reminded them that they had been and were being made holy by the Holy Spirit, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. So, their new style of clothing, their national dress, was not something from the tailor's shop, but produced through the Holy Spirit and prayer. It was humility, freedom from pride and arrogance. In the same way, as a new holy nation, people with clean hearts and with a Holy Spirit-inspired attitude, Peter explained that some of the new customs they would be keeping in obedience with Jesus Christ were to show respect to all, including, surprisingly, political leaders and non-Christians. Between their scattered congregations and within each fellowship, they were also to treat each other with respect and to love one another deeply from the heart. Be considerate, sympathetic, compassionate, offer hospitality and service to others. Similarly, as a holy nation, God's people need a special holy language. There is quite an emphasis on holy speech in this letter. Firstly, Peter asks people not to slander each other, not to gossip about others in false and damaging ways. Sadly, as some of you unfortunately know, I tend to suffer from foot-in-mouth disease. So I was very interested to read about the acronym, initials T-H-I-N-K, THINK, a memory aid for some people to use to try to limit spreading damaging gossip. T stands for, is it true? H stands for, is it helpful? I stands for, is it inspiring? N stands for, is it necessary? K stands for, is it kind? T-H-I-N-K. Peter also reminds the people not to repay insult with insult, but with blessing. Such blessing could be in gentle words of reply or in silent prayer. A friend told me how, in difficult, busy situations, instead of stressing, she silently prays a blessing on the people rushing round about her. The second type of holy speech is found in verse 9 of the reading. 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. It's like a tongue twister. (laughs) That you may declare the praises of God. We declare God's love, greatness, power and holiness through praise to him in times of worship and prayer here. Sometimes in various ways, during services especially, we declare the praises of God in what we say to each other. Sometimes, as individuals or a group, we are able to declare God's praises to non-Christians as we did yesterday through a lovely act of welcome and blessing plus the gift of a book about the Queen's life which included many Christian prayers. The holy nation which Peter sent his first letter to was a group of congregations a bit like a diocese. Many of you probably realise that several churches in Birmingham Diocese, both Anglican and Free Church, have shrunk to no more than half a dozen attendees. I do not want to place any extra burdens on anyone. It might be possible, however, for some of us to explore and pray about giving to and receiving ministry from other local churches through, for example, visits by members of our worship team, our prayer ministry team, or some of the young people here with their leaders, and in that way, build up both our faith and their faith through declaring the praises of God to each other. The last point I want to make is about the shared history in Christ of the members of the Holy Nation and also their and our shared future hope. Throughout the letter, Even though his audience are not all literally Israelites, descendants of Abraham, Peter repeatedly quotes from the Old Testament and even borrows from Exodus chapter 19 the special name for the Lord's people, a holy nation. He told them how the Holy Spirit revealed to the prophets the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to encourage and comfort the people in their sufferings. He reminded them that Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand in the seat of power with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. That, despite their trials, they have an inheritance kept in heaven that can never perish, spoil or fade. He repeatedly reminds them that the time will come when Christ's glory, his full honour and dazzling light will be revealed. Each one of them will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. We are also part of the holy nation and this promise is also for us. As mentioned, the Christians that Peter was speaking to were experiencing real suffering because of persecution for their Christian faith from friends, neighbours and family members. Here and now, we also have trials, 
connected with political problems at abroad and at home. We are all affected in many ways by COVID, a shortage of affordable housing and the rising, rapidly rising prices of food, gas, electricity, petrol and diesel. Peter's words gave comfort and encouragement to the Christians of his day, but also speak to us clearly and loudly across all the years about our loving, holy Lord God and his holy nation, which we are part of, our common descent as heirs of that nation, humility, which is this season's new style of clothing, the Holy Spirit-inspired customs of this holy nation, such as respectful and loving behaviour, the holy language of love, which includes T-H-I-N-K, silent blessings and joyfully declaring the praises of God, our shared history and shared future hope of the day when God visits us, when Christ's glory, his full honour and dazzling light will be revealed and we will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Amen.